0: Well, Good morning again. Uh, my name is Derek. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. Happy that you're here. Excited to be able to be worshiping together. Uh, we're still kind of working out all the kinks with, um, with being in a new place, but um, congrats to all of the guys who get here really early and get it all set up. Um, it really feels like we haven't missed much of a beat, so thank you to you guys who, who work so hard at this. Well, if you are just joining us, we we're kind of in the middle of a series on the Gospel of Mark and we started this uh, at the New Year, right after Christmas, and we'll continue uh, on through Easter. And we're in Mark chapter 6 now, and we're, we're moving along, but we're not hitting every single verse in Mark. And we're at a very important place, a place where Mark records an incredible miracle that Jesus does. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 30 through 44. It's also printed in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along there. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going, and they recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages and to buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and he gave it to the, and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the promise that You work through Your Word. Lord, thank You for the beautiful uh, message that we get here of Your provision. Lord, I pray that You would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts. I pray that You would speak even through my feeble lips. And Lord, that we might be changed by Your Word this morning. Would you pray this all in Jesus' name? Amen. But there was a time uh, in, in my life, in Joy and I's life, when we had had Virginia, our firstborn, and she was uh, about nine months old, and we got this beautiful surprise that Hampton was on the way as well. And then not very long after that, I got the not-so-beautiful surprise that uh, my company was going through a round of layoffs. So here we are with two really young children, and I've got no job. And I'm wondering the question that maybe you've wondered before, which is, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me and my young family? What's going to happen to us? How are we going to make it? Maybe you've asked that question uh, in other ways. Maybe you've asked it almost in the opposite way that Joy and I were asking it, because you have desired children and it's been a long time, and you keep asking the Lord to give you children, but every month you get the same kind of news from the pregnancy test and seemingly another call from a friend rejoicing about their own pregnancy, and you are asking the Lord how long. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to this thing we want so dearly and doesn't seem like it's happening at all? Maybe you've asked what's going to happen in a different way where you have an aging parent and he's just forgetting a little bit more than he used to forget. And he's getting a little slower than he was before. And he's sleeping a little bit longer than he used to. And you're wondering, what's going to happen or maybe you have a friend or a brother who everyone except him can very clearly see is dependent upon alcohol or prescription drugs or something else. And you're wondering, what's going to happen to my brother, my friend? What's going to happen? We ask that question all of the time. We go through, the, we go through times in our lives where we are in lack Where we are completely out of whatever resource it is, maybe it's money, maybe it's emotions, and we feel like, what's going to happen because I'm kind of done here, I've run out. Or we're in just a time of uncertainty. I don't know what's coming next, I don't know if we're going to move, I don't know if my job's going to change, I don't know if anything in my life is going to change, it's all kind of up in the air, and we're asking, what's going to happen? Or maybe you're just totally beaten down and so tired all of the time and you're wondering, what's going to happen? Am I just going to kind of live like this for the rest of my life, just beaten down and tired? Well, that question actually comes up in the Bible, and the resounding answer from the Scriptures is that God provides. You see that from the very beginning in the Bible? Adam and Eve sin. What's going to happen to humanity? God provides. God provides. You see that with Abraham and Isaac. God calls him to go and to sacrifice his son. What's going to happen to this promise that he's going to bring a redeemer? God provides. You see that with God's people when they go into exile. And you wonder, what's going to happen with God's people? And God provides. And we see that here in this story with Jesus. We see very clearly that Jesus provides. If you want to just kind of stop and check out right now And just write this down That's what you need to know Okay. If you take nothing else from today Take that Jesus provides for us And what we're going to do this morning Is we're actually going to just kind of walk through this passage And actually walk through a bunch of other passages And we're going to hear that over and over Jesus provides That's what he does So let me just kind of recap The story that that we just read It opens up and Mark tells us that the the disciples have kind of come back to report to Jesus where they've been. If you trace back a little bit earlier in that chapter, you see that he had sent them out. He'd sent them out to be missionaries. He'd sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God is here, to proclaim the good news, the gospel. And they had been doing that. They had been out kind of in other people's houses. They'd been door to door, probably had not slept in their own bed very often, and probably really, really tired. And so they come back to Jesus, and the first thing we hear is Jesus says, Hey, why don't we go somewhere quiet and get some rest? Now his disciples, you could imagine, were like, Yes, that is exactly what we need. Some R&R with Jesus, kind of out, you know, by ourselves. We'll find some little wilderness place, and we'll go there, and we'll hang out for a few days, and we'll finally get some food because we're hungry, and we'll be able to rest and relax. So they get in the boat. They sail to this place where they're going to go that's supposedly a place where there's nobody else there. It's a desolate, wilderness place, the lonely place where they can go and be by themselves. But because there's a crowd that's always following Jesus, they actually see where He's going, and they decide to hoof it there on foot and beat the disciples. And on their way, it seems like they gather more and more people, kind of coming through these towns. And so, when his disciples and Jesus pull up in this boat and they land on shore, there's already thousands of people there. That is not the welcoming party that they were expecting. I don't know if you uh, know of a place. Probably a lot of you have been there. There's a place in Austin called Hamilton Pool. It's this really just gorgeous swimming hole that was made by a, like a sinkhole. And uh, but, but sinkhole doesn't. It, I think a pothole, and I think it's just wipe away the sinkhole part. It's this beautiful spring-fed pool with a waterfall coming down on it, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's just peaceful and quiet and amazing. And one time we went there and made the mistake of going there on a Saturday. And uh, when you go to Hamilton Pool, if you've ever been there, you know you park—you park about a quarter of a mile away. And you park your car, and then you kind of hike down through the woods and it's really pretty area, and you hike about a quarter of a mile, and you get closer and closer, and then finally you come out in this clearing. You come out, and there's just this beautiful pool, and it's amazing. Well, as we were going down this one Saturday and we parked our car, we hiked down and uh, i 've got these just visions you know of rest and relaxation of just kind of laying on the shore or laying in a float in the middle of the water just for hours and hours uh, and doing absolutely nothing and as we 're about maybe a hundred yards from from the pool, I, you stu- faintly you could hear mm-hmm. 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 okay as- not what you want to hear. And I uh, get closer. Of course, it gets louder and louder. And I, I walk in, and you come into this clearing. And this is a true story, okay? There's a group of people standing right here, and there's a an enormous boombox just pumping out this techno music. And all of the guys are bodybuilders wearing Speedos. And uh, and then all of the girls are barely clothed and they've got streamers and they're dancing with these streamers. And that's what we walked into was like the techno music, bodybuilder, weird girl streamer dance party. It was not the welcome party that I was hoping for. I think the disciples probably felt very similarly. Man, this isn't what we were wanting at all. But here's what's amazing in this story. (laughs) What does Jesus do when he comes upon this group of people who are there that are totally in the way of all of their rest and relaxation? He doesn't get angry at them. He doesn't get frustrated. Mark tells us he has compassion on them. He has compassion on them because they are like a sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them. And more and more people gather And they stay there And Jesus teaches and teaches and teaches And he teaches long into the night And finally at some point His disciples have to come to him and say Hey, Jesus, it's late We're super hungry So we're assuming they're super hungry too Like, why don't you just send them away And they can go home Or at least into the surrounding towns And they can get themselves some food And we can finally get back to that rest thing that you promised And Jesus says How about you feed them? And his disciples say, that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. That's not in the text. But it's what they said, I'm pretty sure. Cause they say, uh, you know, do you want to, it would take 200 denarii. 200 denarii would have been about a year's worth of wages for, for a laborer. Uh, and, you know, if it's 5,000 men, let's just say it's 10,000 people counting women and children, although it's probably even more than that. If you got everybody a Happy Meal, that's going to cost you, you know, $50,000. His disciples are saying, you want us to just go spend $50,000 on food and feed all these people? That is financially and logistically and chronologically impossible. That's not going to happen, Jesus. And he says, okay, well, what do you have? And they say, well, we've got a little bit of bread and we've got a little fish. And Jesus then starts to pass out the bread and the fish. And somehow, miraculously, everyone is fed. In fact, at the end, we're told that not only is everyone fed, there are 12 baskets full of food that are left over. There is much more food left over afterwards than there was to begin with. Jesus feeds hungry people. Jesus uh, shepherds the people who need a shepherd who are lost And Jesus gives rest to the people who are wandering okay? Those are three big things that are happening in this passage Feeding hungry people Shepherding the people who need a shepherd And giving rest to the people who need rest Now, this passage is wonderful in itself but it's even more wonderful i think when you when you start to really dig in and see that it's kind of an echo chamber uh, there are echoes of all kinds of other scriptures actually that permeate this story and we're going to do a little bit of a tour of Scripture this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, get it ready, open it up. You can flip around or you can just listen uh, and buckle up because we're going to go really fast. The first place we're going to go is actually to Exodus. We read some of this earlier. Uh, you heard Lori read it. But listen now to Exodus uh, 16. And I'm going to start at verse 13. This is really kind of finishing up what Lori read before. Remember, we ended saying, uh, the, the, You shall be filled with bread, and the Lord, and uh, you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now here's verse 13. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, the finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And then Moses said to them, "It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather each of it, g- gather of it each of you as much as he can eat. You shall make, excuse me, you shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent." And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less, but when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. You see, what happens in Exodus is you have a group of people who have left slavery, they've left bondage, but they're actually out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, in a desolate place, and they are wondering, what's going to happen? We're here without our stuff. We're here without a lot of food. We're here not really knowing where we're going. What's going to happen? Is God going to provide for our needs? And the resounding answer from Exodus is yes. God is going to provide for you and He is going to provide for you in abundance. We end that passage saying everybody has exactly what they need. Everybody has more than they need. God has provided abundantly for His people. In times of lack, in times of hunger, in times where it feels like you're at the end of all of the resources you have, What we learn here from Exodus is that God provides. Alright, second place we go. Ezekiel. You can flip over if you know where it is or you can just listen if you'd like. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel is a prophet. He's prophesying uh, to God's people while they're in captivity in Babylon. And this is what he says. He says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, and he's not talking there about actual shepherds, he's talking about the leaders, the people that are supposed to be leading God's people. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak have not been strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, and the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. You hear that question we've been answering, asking? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to God's people here when the shepherds, the leaders, have not done their job and they've actually scattered them? But listen to this. Continuing on at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my see- sheep and will seek them out. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. You hear that answer? Who is going to feed God's people? And God says, I'm going to do it. Is God going to provide Guidance for those who are lost and wandering. Guidance for those who don't know what's coming next. Is God, does God actually care when you ask that question, what's going to happen? The resounding answer from Ezekiel is he does. God provides. He is a shepherd for those who need, uh, who need guidance. Alright, here's a third one. We're gonna keep going here. And it is Psalm 23. This will probably be familiar to many of you. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalmist says first that the Lord is a shepherd. He says even that the Lord prepares a table before him when he's hungry. But did you hear also what he says? He says, you're going to lay me down in green pastures. Beautiful, fervent, green pastures, a place of rest. And a place of rest, mind you, in the midst of the enemies that are mentioned there, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, even in the midst of deep darkness, even in the midst of not really knowing what's going on, even in the midst of real difficulty, when we're asking that question, what's going to happen? Things just seem so difficult. What Psalm 23 says is that God is actually going to lay us down in a place where we can rest what's going to happen well the resounding answer from psalm 23 is that god is going to provide god is going to provide a place of rest for his people so in exodus we have this proclamation god's people in the wilderness who are wandering who are wondering what's going to happen to us and god comes to them and he says i'm going to feed you I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. Even though you feel like you are lacking, even though you feel like your resources have run out, even though you're not really sure where it's coming from, I'm going to feed you. And then Ezekiel, we have the people asking, what's going to happen? We are like a a lost sheep we're a herd of sheep. that didn't have anybody to guide us. And we're all scattered everywhere. And God comes and he says, I'm going to actually guide you. I'll be your shepherd. I will gather you and I'll bring you to myself and I will be your guide and your leader. And then in the 23rd Psalm, we hear God saying, I'm going to actually bring you into a place where there is rest, where you can lay down and be fed gently. Where you can actually have some sort of rest from all of the difficulties of your life. Now, bounce back with me again to Mark. And just listen... Jesus one more time. Jesus has compassion on them because they are a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus feeds them and they are all full. Jesus in verse 39 commands them to sit down in groups on the green grass. That sounds a lot like green pastures, doesn't it? You hear those echoes, those reverberations? That Jesus is the one who feeds His people in the wilderness, in this desolate place. That Jesus is the one who gives them what they need. That Jesus is the one who guides and leads this group of people who are like sheep, they don't have a shepherd. That Jesus is the one who gives them real and lasting rest, who lays them down in green pastures. Jesus will say these things of Himself, right? When He says, I am the bread of life. Anyone that eats of me will will never be hungry or thirsty again. When Jesus says uh, to his disciples, not only am I the bread of life, but I also am uh, the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And I lay my life down for my sheep. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And Jesus is acting all of those things out here in this passage. He is telling His disciples, He is telling us very clearly, resoundingly, I will provide. I will provide for all of your needs. What's going to happen for us? Again, we go through times in our lives where all of these things can feel really, really pressing. I have a friend who has four children and was recently told, this is probably not the right job for you. What's he going to do? What's going to happen? What's going to happen if you're not really sure where you're going to live or how you're going to pay your bills next month? What's going to happen if somebody that you love dearly, you've lost? How are you going to cope with that? How are you going to deal with it? What's going to happen if there are huge changes on the horizon? If you're a senior in high school, or maybe if you are someone who's about to make a large move with your family, what's going to happen? Well, the answer, again, resoundingly, is that Jesus is going to provide. It's what He says He does. He provides Himself for His people. In fact, it gets even better. Because Jesus doesn't just say, I'm going to give you all of your physical needs. In fact, oftentimes, He doesn't give us exactly the things that we think we're going to need. But what He does say is what you need most is you need the bread that you can feed on forever. The bread of true, real, eternal life that comes from me. You need the shepherd of your souls who will lay himself down for you so that you might have life. You need the one who will give you real and lasting rest. Do we believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is the place that you can come and let your guard down? That Jesus is the place where you can come and relax? That Jesus is the place where you can come and be fed and fulfilled? If not, hear it again. He provides. He loves. He cares. He does so even at the cost of his own life. So the question for us really this morning is not what's going to happen, but am I going to believe that Jesus cares about that question? Am I going to believe that he has now and will always and will eternally give me all that I need? We're going to spend a few moments pondering that question in just a second. But let's pray before we do. Lord, we thank You for uh, Your Word and Your provision. We thank You for so beautifully displaying it throughout the Scriptures and so beautifully displaying it here as You have fed thousands of hungry people. Lord, we are hungry and not just for food, but actually for something that feeds us That fulfills us, that gives us worth and value and significance. Lord, we're always looking for it. We are so often looking for it in so many other ways. But Lord, you have told us that you will be our significance, that you will be our sustenance, that you will provide deeply for us. We ask that you would just, that you would just remind us of that this morning and convince us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well like I